Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Fit for Prosperity podcast. I'm your host, Lucas. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I bring you Ibrahim Dar. If you want to be successful in business, as an entrepreneur, or as well in your personal life and your uh, relationships, there is one most crucial thing that you need to have in place, and that's being able to build long-lasting and good relationships with other humans. For that, you need two main skills, and those are charisma and self-confidence. And that's exactly where Ibrahim excels. He's coaching high-level executive CEOs and entrepreneurs into developing the skills and traits necessary to build great relationships with other humans and accelerate their businesses and reach their goals. He also helps people to build better relationships in their private lives with the same kind of principles and wrote the book about the whole topic. Um, in today's show, we covered the main strategies and tricks that he uses to help his clients to get more self-confident and build up their charisma so they can accelerate their businesses or improve the relationships they have in their lives. I thought this is a really inspiring episode. I definitely learned a lot and was super informative. Also, Ibrahim is a very fun guy. I laughed a lot during the podcast, so it was a ton of fun. If you enjoyed as much as I did, please make sure to subscribe to the channel. It would really mean a lot to me and now enjoy the show. Hello, Ibrahim. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. As usual, I don't want to talk too much and give you the word as quickly as possible. Introduce yourself. Tell us your story. Where do you come from? What are you doing today? And um, yeah, how did you get where you are today? Okay. So I am an owner of a company you don't care about because you literally don't know about my company, nor do your listeners. So that's not what's relevant. What's relevant right now to your listeners is that I'm an incredibly social, incredibly confident guy. And I've been coaching executives, business leaders on how they can be their most confident self. And that fact actually is relevant to your audience. It's relevant to you as well, because you yourself are a pretty socially competent guy from what I can see. Like you can talk well, you're not awkward with me. And in today's conversation, you're, you're going to learn things that you didn't know you were doing, that you are actually doing, which make you charming as well. And then, of course, your listeners, they too can have some solid takeaways. They can do these tricks in their lives to make themselves their most confident self. Now, I started out, I mean, I'm a public speaker, but I wasn't born a public speaker. I was born a baby. And <laughs> as, as babies, we all cry, right? We all cry. We need milk, we cry. None of us go like, I'm an introvert, let me text my mom for milk. No, we all cry. <laughs> so, so we're all born the same, but some of us, and we try different things as we're growing up. But some of those things are awkward because as kids, we don't know any better. But some of us are scolded harder than others. Some of us are chastised harder than others. And some of us are, you know, shamed more than the others. And then we take this social failure so personally that we decide that we're not going to have anything to do with people or we're an introvert. And I was about to have that moment because I wasn't a public speaker, but I was picked to speak at my school assembly in front of 200 students. And I remember I just ripped the whole speech off Wikipedia, right? I Googled sustainability, Wikipedia was first. I literally copied the whole thing, memorized it overnight. I was pretty excited about it as well. And I memorized 
the whole thing. I go on stage. I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Ibrahim Dar. And that's it. I had forgotten the first word. And the thing about memorizing is if you forget the first word, you forget the second and the third and everything that comes after. So I literally yeah. stood there. I said my name, forgot everything. And then to make things worse, I started crying. So, oh. dude, my face right now, you can see, is a bearable face, even though I've just woken up and you've just woken up. But both our faces <laughs> are bearable, okay? But, dude, my crying face, oh, my God, my crying face is an ugly crying face. And the announcer of the assembly let me put it on display for a whole minute before interrupting and taking the mic away. So now what I had done was I had gone up on stage, said my name, so everyone can actually identify me, and then I started crying. So now not only am I that crying face guy, but they also know my name. So they can pinpoint the guy who was crying in the assembly. So this is very embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I'm going down and that's where I see my best friend. He's waiting for me downstairs. And, you know, your best friend is your support system in such a moment. So I, I fortunately, my best friend was there. I'm like, Wasif, that was kind of bad, right? He's like, kind of bad? That was worse than my dad's divorce. So he literally just pushed me further down. And now my self-esteem is getting destroyed. I'm like, this public speaking thing wasn't for me. I'm not like my dad because my dad is like a scholar. He's very prolific. So when I go to the class, we have Mr. Ruffy. It's the first period. Mr. Ruffy comes in and he's the Swiss army knife of um, teachers. Like for social studies, they send him in. For religious studies, they send him in. For English, like any soft subject, they'll send Mr. Rafi in. He was like the Swiss Army knife. He comes in, he's like, Ibrahim, congratulations. I thought he was making fun of me. I'm like, what congrats? I cried in front of 200 people. He said, no, 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 no. You said your name in front of 200 people. You've never done that before. And that changed everything. Because the story I was about to tell myself was that I failed at public speaking. And the story he let me see was that you did more in public speaking than you have done before. And that allowed me to try again and again until I was the best speaker, awarded the best speaker for three consecutive years at that school. To this day, 16 years later, that's still a record that no one has broken until now. So I was the first and the only up till now. Three consecutive years, best speaker award. Not because I'm special, but because I didn't accept that I had failed at public speaking. Instead, I got that story rewritten for me. And what I want people to do is to be their own Mr. Ruffy, to go back to that moment where they had taken a failure too personally and just rewrite that story. Ask themselves why it wasn't that bad. And the thing about the brain is if you ask a question, you get an answer. You know, it's, it's, it's the reason why, whether it's an immigration debate, whether it's a Trump debate, whatever it is, you find humans on both sides. Because one human asked himself, why is Trump right? And one human asked himself, why is Trump wrong? And they both got an answer. And now they're sitting with that answer and they're debating with each other while Trump doesn't even know they exist. But my point is, if they ask if you ask yourself a question, you will get an answer. So instead of asking why I failed, ask yourself, why was that failure a good thing? And you will get an answer, which will allow you to then try again 
at whatever it is that you're trying to be confident. Um, so there's one thing I kind of I'm, I'm interested in that you just said in the beginning, and sure. there was um, no one is born as an um, introvert. So as kids, we don't care. Do you think that that doesn't exist, introvert, extrovert, that construct, and it's literally only because of education and experience? Um, or is there different personalities to it too? I believe that the exhibition of confidence as the exclusive domain of extroverts is completely, completely made up. So both introverts and extroverts can go on stage and make the exact same presentation with the exact same level of confidence. It's just that extroverts, they get recharged with human interaction. Mm -hmm. Introverts do not. So the only difference would be if we if we've had uh, if I've had a huge work day, okay? So it's the end of my day and I'm a little exhausted and I have this appointment. If I'm an introvert, I will cancel the appointment. If I'm an extrovert, I will need the appointment because in our conversation I get charged. So yes, there is that difference where I will get charged in public presence as an extrovert. But as an introvert, I will get charged up in solitude. However, both introverts and extroverts have the capacity to make the same presentation. Our first presentation is us crying for milk and we make it equally, equally, regardless of whether we are wired to be uh, charged in isolation or to be charged in public presence. Still, introverts and extroverts have equal right to public display, public presentation. It's just that extroverts have claimed this territory for so long that introverts have completely given up on it. Makes sense. And you say like the main thing um, to present well is self-confidence, right? To stand up there, be confident about yourself. Um, I've seen you also write about uh, this in your book. Um, what are some practical tips and techniques that uh, listeners can apply to improve their self-confidence? Okay, you're ready for this one. Number one thing you can do today you, in any situation to be more confident. This is what I call the nervous thief hypothesis. And it's, it's from uh, a story where like one of my aunts got pickpocketed. And, <laughs> the, and guess what? Uh, she she got pickpocketed her like uh, her uh, wallet was stolen and in her wallet was her ID card and she really needed that and she suddenly panicked and there were like two to three guys around they were like we're gonna help you look for the the, the wallet okay so they were looking around with her they're trying to find the wallet with her and then my aunt she was so desperate because her ID card was, she started crying. And guess what happened? One of the guys who was helping her for two hours to look for the wallet actually said, you know what? I give up. I have your wallet. Here it is. And he gave that wallet to her because he felt bad for her. But for two hours, the guy was looking for that wallet with her, even though he had the wallet, he had stolen it. Why did and he what do that? that? What that taught me was that this guy was such a professional thief that upon taking her wallet, he confidently felt that
that this wallet was now his. So he was able to completely look for that wallet with her, like look for her wallet, because he acted like he had nothing to hide. Why? Because he truly believed that wallet was his. An amateur thief, though, the first time thief, when he takes your wallet, he suddenly becomes nervous because he thinks he's hiding something he shouldn't be hiding. That's the difference between a pro thief and a nervous thief. Most of us, most of us are like nervous thieves. We think we have something to hide. And that thing is what is keeping us from being confident. If you are at a networking event and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be that guy who's standing in the corner and no one is talking to me. You're hiding that fear and that fear is making you more nervous. Instead, if you were to go up to a group and say, hey guys, I don't want to be that weird guy in the corner who's talking to no one. So can I just talk to you for two minutes? I won't bother you. And suddenly you've said what was going to make you nervous. You have exposed it. Suddenly you have nothing to be nervous about. You're about to start a speech. You're a little nervous. Literally say, hey guys, I'm a little nervous because I've, I've not spoken in a while on stage and I'm afraid that I'm, I'm going to lose my speech and uh, I'm going to forget my speech in the middle and you guys are going to think I'm dumb. But let's be honest, after this speech, you will carry on with your lives. You won't even be thinking about me. So I have no reason to be nervous, but still I'm nervous. And suddenly you have exposed what you were hiding. So again, you don't have to act like the nervous thief because you have exposed it. So my rule of thumb is if it's not your credit card, just expose it, whatever else it is. Because you're being honest, it allows you the luxury of being confident. So even if you're asking out a girl, literally go like, hey, I think you are out of my league for some reason, even though I have literally no evidence of this, but that's how it is. And because of that, I might be nervous. But I want to ask you out. Literally, that openness is just so charming. Just, But here's the thing. Don't expose it as if it's too much. Like, oh, my God, you're so out of my league. Please go out with me. No, 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 no. Expose it as if it, it isn't a big deal. Whatever you think is a big deal that you're hiding, just expose it as if it's not a big deal. Literally, guys, I'm nervous. No, not guys, I'm so nervous. I'm going to die. No, no, no. Guys, I'm nervous. I don't know. I know I shouldn't be nervous, but I'm nervous because of the speech. Even if I forget, it doesn't really matter. Let's get started. Like, it's not a big deal. Expose whatever you think is a big deal as if it's not a big deal. And suddenly you will seem like you have no reason to be nervous. Now, Please give me, Lucas, one example of a situation in which you would be nervous. Um, damn, that's personal. <laughs> I was just, okay. Um, you already brought the one with the club. Uh, I, I was going to say when I'm like in a bar and I see this uh, pretty girl that I want to go up to and say hi. I don't know her. And then um, I'll be super nervous going there and saying it. Or okay, I still am. Yeah, literally go up to the girl and say, hey, uh, if you reject me, I will feel like, oh, my God, people are looking at me and I just got rejected by a girl. So can you just tolerate for a minute longer than uh, is necessary? And let's have a conversation. If you don't uh, like me, then it's okay. But just a minute before you reject me. So it doesn't look like I just got rejected right away. 
So uh, <laughs> let's refine that. Let's refine that line a bit. So, so you'd go up to a girl and you say, hey, if you're not interested, that's fine. But can you reject me just a minute later so I don't look like an absolute loser? So it's just that you being so honest about it is actually charming. She'd be like, you know what? Let's talk. It's okay. Uh, and another <laughs> thing, another thing for people who are absolutely terrified of going up to a girl, it's usually that they are heightening the stakes too much. And what I would say is just have a bet with your friend. Say, I bet you that I can get rejected 20 times in a row. And if I get rejected 20 times in a row, you give me a hundred dollars. And if I don't get rejected, then I have to uh, give you a hundred dollars. Now you're not afraid of rejection. You're actually like, Oh my God, I got to get rejected 20 times in a row. Because if I don't, then I, if some girl is okay talking to me and is giving me her number, now I have to give a hundred bucks to my friend. Now you're actually chasing rejection. So you're not like, oh my God, she'll reject me. You're like, I, she better reject me. You're going to go up to her and just going to be like yourself completely. And you're like, I hope she rejects me. And trust mm -hmm. me, if you're chasing 20 rejections in a row, like three rejections in, some girl's going to give you her number. And you're like, oh my God, I have to start over again now. <laughs> the next girl, okay, this is girl number one. I have to get 20 rejections. And three, four, five, six, you, you're like, I'm close. 18 rejections, I'm close. And the 19th is like, you know what? You're kind of cute. Here's my number. You're like, oh my God, I got to get started over again or I'll lose $100. And before you know it, you're going home with like 10 to 20 numbers. So yeah, when you chase rejection instead of being afraid of rejection, it allows you to get out of your own head. And that's necessary. Ultimately, getting out of your own head overthinking what will happen once you get rejected is the key just getting out of your own head and i've already given you two strategies mm -hmm. see whatever works with your personality more the first is literally go up and say hey can you take a whole minute to reject me so it seems like we had a conversation <laughs> instead of you outright rejecting me because i feel like people are watching and i'll seem like a loser all right and then just have a conversation and the second is literally just be like, you know what, dude, just have a, a bet with a friend of yours. And I literally do it with clients. It's like I say I'm going to give up my entire fee if you get rejected 50 times in a row in whatever context, whether it is B2B sales, whether it is them talking to someone for, for an opposite uh, gender. And it's amazing. Like I have, I have 18 women uh clients who are actually afraid of talking to guys and i've proposed literally the same arrangement it's like try to get rejected 50 times in a row and if you do i will forfeit my fee my entire coaching is for free then and then they're actually hoping that they get rejected and guess what literally not even one person has gotten rejected uh, consecutively they all failed this dare so it's a good dare to have Wait a second with the video, bro. Okay, continue. Okay, um, so the uh, two things that tricks that you would give us is uh, first one that we can uh, make it small and put it out into the open and be like, yeah, I'm a little nervous because of X, Y, and just put it yes. out there. Minimize whatever you're hiding and put it out there. 
Exactly. And the second one is actually gamify the rejection so that you're chasing rejection instead of acceptance. Yes. Um, and both of these will do the, uh, both of these will do only one thing, which is they will get you out of your own head regarding mm -hmm. this whole situation. So you're not overanalyzing. Yes. That makes sense. Um, you have so many examples uh, how to do it in practice with uh, the girls example. Uh, now, as entrepreneur, I think um, a lot of my listeners also probably have the problem that we get a little bit nervous when we are trying to pitch our um, services or ideas to a potential partner, investor or client. Um, would you just apply the exact same there or is there more that in business something different? So in, in networking, in connecting with other people who might be fit for your prosperity, see what I did there? So that... <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> that is a different thing. So if, if you're going to just connect with people, I, I, I actually encourage people not to pitch their business right away. I believe that of your, first pitch, your first pitch should be, this guy is fun to hang out with. So your pitch should be to come off as a fun guy to hang out with. And so much of life's like fruits come from just being a fun guy to hang out with. So literally at networking events, you can literally do the same thing. You can just be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to just talk to like 20 people and I will, uh, I'm just going to get rejected by 20 people in a row. <laughs> And because you're not pitching anything, it's it's literally impossible. But my point would be to connect with at least 50 people in a row. Now, when it comes to pitching your services, it's a different thing. It's because ideally, I would like for you to have some level of rapport with the person. And then I would make it about them. So it would literally be about them. And it would be like, hey, this is what can be done for you. If you're interested, let's go. But the way I work with networking is that people come to you with opportunities. People will come to you like, what can I do for you? You're so fun to be with. And you're such a cool guy. What can I do for you? And this is, I've, I've done it for executives as well. And, and they cannot believe it initially like how is it possible i just have to go be a fun hang and suddenly people will ask what they can do for you who they can refer to you so the strategy i set for entrepreneurs and even salespeople is to connect with people who can connect you with the actual customer instead of connecting directly with your actual customer so I'll give you an example. I have a ghostwriting business. So we write stories for like millionaires regarding how they became millionaires. I don't connect directly with millionaires. Instead, I connect with people who are in close proximity to these millionaires. So they're, uh, they're executive assistants, they're publicists, and I literally don't even mention that we have a ghostwriting business. I don't. I literally connect with these people and we have a lot of fun. And suddenly they're like, hey, dude, how can I help you? Uh, dude, is there something I can do for you? And I even ask them if they're fun. I'm like, what can I do for you? 
And ultimately, if I can connect them with someone on my side, I connect them. And if they can connect me with someone on their side, it usually is their boss. And they're like, hey, this guy, by the way, he writes books. Um, would you like a book written about you? And suddenly we have a meeting going on. So ultimately, the finest thing, the most charismatic thing you can do is to be soft in your selling. And to be soft in your selling, instead of connecting with the actual customer, connect with someone who is in close proximity. And because of that, it's impossible for you to pitch. You're literally not talking to your customers. So it's impossible for you to pitch. And the only thing you can pitch is that you're a cool guy. You're a cool person to hang out with. And as long as you are a fun person to hang out with, people want to do things for you. And you just have to be nice enough to accept the fact that people want to do good things for you. Makes a lot of sense. And also, so, if you get the recommendation from a close friend of yeah. that client, it's much stronger than if you pitch yourself because he's like, oh, my friend told me this is a good guy. So um, this has a lot more power. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and again, you're not pitching yourself at all. All I say is literally every single day, just go out, make a good friend and just be a fun person out there. I know because it's not very predictable, you don't know I will make X number of calls, get Y number of clients. It's hard to trust this process. But trust me, I literally like my own families, like I feed my family based on this exact strategy. This is it. Like I bet my family's future on this. I literally go out, meet as many people as I can who are in close proximity to my customers and I'm fun and I just make sure that they enjoy my company. And dude, if you do nice things for people, people want to do nice things for you. They call it the reciprocity principle. But I make it such that the nice thing I do for them is just make sure they have fun around me. That is a nice enough thing. You don't have to create yeah. a lead magnet and give it as the nice thing. That is just bait. And people can tell that you're dangling that nice thing in front of them and it's not truly nice. But when you're dealing with people whom you cannot sell anything and you're being nice, you're genuinely being nice. And then they will connect you with someone who actually will buy. That makes a lot of sense. I like that strategy. Um, one thing you have been talking a lot about here is uh, charisma and being charming. Um, what are some practical tips and techniques that we can use to improve our charisma, be more charismatic and maybe be more charming okay. as well in the process? <laughs> okay. So, so um, I don't know if I can use this word on the podcast, but... You can. <laughs> okay. Okay, so it's, it's basically the, the line between being charismatic and kissing someone's ass is how powerful you are. If you're not powerful and you're pleasing people, you're just a people pleaser. But if you're powerful and you please someone, they're like, oh my God, he's so charismatic. The difference really is power. So I have a very nice definition of charisma. It's very understandable. Charisma is someone who you think is special, making you feel special. So it's just two steps. One is seem special 
And two is treat people as if they're special. And suddenly you are the most charismatic guy in the world. Let me have some water here. All right. <laughs> oh, that makes a lot of sense. I, okay. I like it. Okay. So how do you seem special? First is if you do not have a special title like CEO or best-selling author or top podcaster, if you don't have those titles to indicate your specialness, then literally work on your self-esteem, rewrite your personal story, like make a list of your achievements and read it over and over until you truly believe that you are special. And once that happens, you will carry yourself naturally as if you are special. And suddenly people will also start treating you as if you are special. So that's one way you can build that initial momentum. Then second is, it's called Charm Like a Narcissist, my book. So here's how narcissists appear special. First of all, they truly believe that they're special. Second, yeah. they aim high because they believe that they deserve the best, right? That's why you can be a reality TV star with no political experience and say, I'm going to try to be the president, right? So being a narcissist gives you that luxury of aiming high. Second, if you fail, you don't take it personally. That's the second thing you have to learn from a narcissist. Like Trump right now is not going to take this failure personally. He's not going to believe that any votes that he have lost are his responsibility. He, he won't believe that. And that will yeah. allow him to run again. So whether you agree with the guy or not, my point is you got to learn that from him. He's not going to yeah. take his bankruptcy personally. He's going to be like, I'm the best businessman which will allow him to make more business deals instead of thinking maybe business is not for me. I should get a job. Okay. And then when he takes, he goes from bankrupt to being a billionaire, suddenly now he has evidence of his specialness and you can imitate the same thing. You first start with the sense of specialness, which you can have if you just literally sit down and focus on counting your achievements in the past. And trust me, we discount our achievements. We don't count them. And, our, and when we mess up, the world makes sure, sure we count them. Like yeah. we count our, yeah, we count our screw ups because the world make, uh, reminds them, uh, reminds us. But we don't count our virtues. If you sit down and write down different things, hey, I survived joblessness. I survived heartbreak. I had the most in, uh, awkward encounter with a woman. And yet I manage to still have the bravery to talk to people again. Uh, I pissed my pants at a party and yet managed to walk into the same friend circle again. Whatever the size of achievement doesn't matter. What matters is that you count it as an achievement. And once you make a list of 20, 30, you read that, you're like, you know what? I'm not that bad. I'm a pretty cool guy. Suddenly you have that momentum. You, you can then dare to aim high. And then when you achieve something you thought you were not going to achieve, now you have evidence that you're actually special. Rinse and repeat this method over and over and over until you're in that position of power from which you can be effortlessly charismatic. That's so cool. I like it. And I was like, a lot of what you're writing in your book just made so much more sense um, after explaining that. Um, now, 
let's get into that a little bit. Um, you title it charming like a narcissist, right? Um, yeah. Yet narcissism commonly is more seen as negative. And you're right, that's mostly because of a wrong picture that is painted in movies, right? They go way over the yes. top with how narcissists are. Um, just can you elaborate a little bit on that, explain the misunderstanding and why it's good to be like a narcissist? Okay. So the narcissists are like actors. Like if you're watching a film and in that mm -hmm. you're like, oh, that guy is a, that guy's an actor, like in the middle of a movie. If you think of a guy and you're like, oh, he's acting. Well, that guy is a bad actor. Because mm. a good actor will become invisible. He will blend into the scene and take you in. It's the same with narcissists. The only time you actually see a narcissist as a narcissist is if the narcissist is an unfunctional narcissist. If that narcissist is bad enough, then the rest of their personality fades away and only their self-obsession shows. And because those are the only narcissists we can identify We think that's what narcissists are. But if you have had a toxic boyfriend who was hard to break away from, if you had a toxic girlfriend who was hard to break away from, you have dealt with a narcissist. And guess what? They were charming. That's the part of the reason why they were hard to break away from. And that's why when you Google how to part ways from a narcissist, you get over 12 million results. 12 million different pieces of content were written about this because 12 million, there, there is demand for that much content. And there is demand for that much content on breaking away from narcissists because narcissists are compelling, because they suck you in. That's why cult leaders are narcissists. Pretty much all celebrities are to some degree narcissists because to be a celebrity today, no one hands that to you. You have to work for it. And if you're going to work for it, you are a narcissist. You're a narcissist if you want attention like that. Even to be a prominent scientist, you have to be a narcissist because rest of the scientists get ignored. So from CEOs to all the public figures you worship, they're all narcissists. It's only when a narcissist is dysfunctional that you can see only their narcissism. The rest, they hide it very well. So when I say charm like a narcissist, I don't say charm like that self-obsessed caricature that we think is a narcissist. I say charm like that sneaky narcissist who you don't even see the narcissism off. Makes sense. And narcissists, I mean, they are so irresistible exactly because of those two traits you have been talking about before, right? It's the self-confidence. They truly believe they are special and that gives them a lot of charisma. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 And, and when they want something from you, they treat you as if you are special and that's what makes them charming. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, the, the second part of the definition. I already almost forgot. It's like you have to yeah. think you are special, but make others believe that you are special and then treat them yeah. like they are Because, special. Look, right. Yeah, it, because if you if you look, for example, the mainstream uh, attempts of like mainstream coverage of Trump, he will come off as the most self-obsessed person. But you see him at his rallies and how he's dealing with his people. 
like with his firefighters, he's raising their hands, the way he's dealing with these old white women who will vote for him and then die and then leave the consequences for the next generation. The way he's dealing with these people, it's like you can see the most charming guy. He's talking to them as if they're the most special person and he is nothing. Like he's acting like it. But that's that's his charm at work. He he's first of all sets himself up as special, and now he has evidence he's Mr. President. So he sets himself up as special, and then he treats people as if they're special, but he only treats his people as if they're special, and he charms them like that. Yeah, that's actually something that you don't really see if you're not actively looking for it but now that you say it it's like yeah actually he's he's yeah, making it. he's not charming everyone no he's not no. <laughs> of course not <laughs> um now in your book you also write about uh negative qualities um that narcissists have to deal with um like they take irresponsible risk um they can have self-destructive behavior and We already talked about it in the podcast, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You have the possibility to cause pain to others. Um, if we try to adopt those strategy to start to feel more special, we truly believe we feel more special. Our charisma yes. improves a lot. Yes. Um, don't we run into the inherent risk of adopting those negative traits or those uh, downsides of being nar narcissistic as well? Um, and can we make sure that we don't do that and are still get extremely high confidence and self-love? Yes, yes, yes. See, it, it definitely is possible because the strategies in the book and the strategies we've talked about, if people actually put this stuff to practice, suddenly they will be surrounded by people who want to please them. And then they, these people will just tell them you're the greatest. And you hear that like a few hundred times and you start becoming narcissistic yourself. So instead of just charming like a narcissist, you just become a charming narcissist. And that's what you don't want to do. It becomes addicting to hear praise. And when you start att seeking attention just for the sake of getting attention, then you're in that self-destructive cycle of narcissism because after a while you have to do something completely out of the blue crazy, right? You have to go on that Kanye thing where he was like with the MAGA hat. Now, the MAGA hat itself, whether it's good, bad, I'm not even talking about that. But for his community, that was bad. Like his community disliked it, but he did it anyway just for attention because the end goal was attention it wasn't album sales it wasn't shoe sales it had become attention i want people not to lose sight of the goal that's why when they start on their journey to charm like a narcissist they have to decide why they want to be charming if it is just to get attention then oh my god after a while it will become exhausting and self-destructive because you can never have enough attention Yeah. So what's the goal? Is the goal that you want to get married? Is the goal that you want to make more friends? Is the goal that you want to make more sales in your business? Know your goal and don't lose sight of it. Because if you start chasing that rush of people praising you, then you'll constantly do more and more and more. And after a while, it will become self-destructive. Next thing you can do is find someone you respect more than you respect yourself. And have their opinion in your ear. 
Now, Trump does not have that. Mm-hmm. Despite how great his rise was, he does not have the opinion of someone he respects because he doesn't respect anyone more than himself. And that can sometimes work, but in some situations, then it leads to poor decisions. So you have a blind spot and you have to avoid that by making a list of people you respect in your circle, not I respect Abraham Lincoln. No, because you're not going to have his advice. Okay. Yeah. Someone you respect in your ear at all times really helps. It helps you avoid the blind spot of being a narcissist. That makes sense. Yeah. So we definitely run the risk, but we need that person then to maybe tell us like, hey, bro, maybe you're a little bit over the top sure. now and yeah. <laughs> um, should slow down a bit. You get like very self-obsessed, that kind of talk or? Yeah, because because people around you really, really want to please you because once you become charming, it's like people want to give you free stuff. People want to discount their deals. Dude, I'll tell you what. I was, I was literally like looking for a place to rent and I hung out with the real estate guy and I'm like, Hey, how much is this? And the guy's like, uh, this is supposed to be 24, but the owner actually said you can drop down to 20. And I thought he was just doing that bullshit sales tactic, but I checked up with different like, uh, uh, the realtors and I literally got another number and WhatsApp the same real estate guy and I'm like how much is for this listing he's like it's um, it's 24 but the lowest I can go is 22 so literally like he that tactic the lowest he was going as a tactic was 22 but with me in person when he saw me he's like dude the owner said for 20 I can give it so literally he went to the lowest he could get like, he screwed the owner over right away because <laughs> he was having fun hanging out with me. So once you become charming, once you become socially competent, people start doing things for you even without you, you asking. Um, pretty much literally 100% of my clients, except the last two clients, because the last two clients I just signed a week ago. 100% of my clients have gone out and gotten two more clients, not even one, two more clients at a minimum. It's literally when you are having fun, when you're letting people have fun, they want to do stuff for you. And the easiest thing people can do for you is tell you you're right. And that's also the worst thing for you. Because if you keep hearing that you're right, that's it, man, you don't have objective feedback. So you either have to cut off your charm, which becomes harder when it becomes a part of your personality. So the next thing you can do is just have someone who you respect give you advice from a distance. So, you know, you can measure sometimes that, oh, you're in over your head, you're being over-optimistic or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I guess when you're so confident and you need it, otherwise you probably, you, you talked a lot about Trump, but the reason that, he then eventually didn't get re-elected was because he just went too far. And Yes, yes. The moment he fired General Mattis was like the writing on the wall. Like you could see that, oh, 
this guy is supposed within that party because there are people who would literally say that whole party is this and that and no no i mean he he was doing good things for a while but the moment he fired general mattis like you could see that he's fired someone who's the most competent it's like oh my god who who's going to now stand up to him who's who's going to tell him he's going the wrong way so yeah of course after a while he just went overboard because there was literally no cool calm head giving advice and not because people giving advice like people who could have given advice weren't there was because he didn't respect them mm. so you have to know who you respect it's very important and it was because he was not just charming like a narcissist he was an actual narcissist right yes <laughs> yes 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 definitely so so he was narcissist and that meant that he had easy access to charm because he feels special so he seems special and then he can make people feel special the moment he needs something from them so votes so he's going to charm people but because he has a blind spot of feedback he doesn't get feedback like normal humans do he has that blind spot which is that he's going to be very successful but there's suddenly going to be a crash then going to be very successful going to be a crash that's how narcissists go in life so you have to make sure that you seem special you help people feel special but then you also have that objective feedback and you pay attention to that so you don't crash like a narcissist just charm like a narcissist don't crash like a narcissist So it's a very fine line between um developing all those good qualities of a narcissist but staying humble at the same time and like keeping your feet on the floor which is the yes. receipt to success right Yes Um now you have also been talking about the 19 or how many millions of searches that are of how to break away from narcissists and yeah. narcissists can do a lot of damage and we don't spot yeah. them right away right but you know yes. a lot about this topic so what would you tell us um are some signs that we can spot that someone's actually a narcissist and not just charming like a narcissist early on And then okay. what should we do how should we deal with those people Okay so the, the, it's it's there's a million uh, different ways you can tell but I'll just say one way because that's going to be memorable and people will remember If someone seems special but there's literally no objective evidence that they are special so if someone seems like they're going to be a billionaire one day but they literally don't even have a thousand bucks that guy's a narcissist because it takes a narcissist to convey that kind of confidence that kind of charisma without having anything to show for it so if someone seems like they're going to be successful but they're not successful at all they're a narcissist and we fall into this trap oh my god this person's going to have a great story let me be a part of this but there's nothing greater than themselves it seems like they're on this mission that's greater than them but no it's actually all about them they literally just want you to believe in something greater but it's just that cult mechanics so if any time you see someone who seems special or who seems like they're destined for greatness but they literally have no achievement no effort to back it nothing showing for it don't buy into it 
it seems attractive just don't buy into it keep a distance literally be like oh they're just a bag of lies which will not change there's no fear of missing out don't get involved with them that makes sense but um i find it a little bit contradicting because you told us like if you want to start to charm like a narcissist that's exactly what we should be doing right because we might not be successful yet but we should start to develop that belief that we are special and tell to us that we are special we'll be super successful so yes. wouldn't yes. be the next you should, <laughs> you should do that but you shouldn't fall for it is what i'm saying like yes you should do that you should carry yourself as if you are special until there is real world evidence that you are special and what i'm saying is don't fall for other people who are doing this that's okay. there's no contradiction <laughs> okay i see it so you should actually use the fact that a lot of people are going to fall for it because narcissists are so uh, uh, irresistible But if you're on the other side and someone is doing it to you, then uh, you should immediately spot the fake and uh, not fall for it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Then. Because the, because the difference, I'll tell you, the difference is if if you're going to be charming like a narcissist, it's going to be a little while before you you'll suddenly achieve something because your goal is not to get praise or attention. Your goal is mm -hmm. to be charming enough. to get a job by charming the interviewer or be charming enough to like get into a relationship or be charming enough to present on stage you have a goal other than just hoarding attention what that means is the moment you start carrying yourself as if you're special it will be like in a few months you will be closer to your goal you will have a real world achievement to back it up but with a narcissist their entire goal is to just have people like talking positively about them gassing them up you know so what they do is they will seem special and then they will get praise and they will be like you know what i don't want to do anything else in life i don't want to make anything productive any change so for the longest time they will just seem like the special person with so much potential who's going to do this and that and change the world but they will not do anything with that so so when you spot someone who seems special but has literally no evidence you can keep them at a distance until there is evidence that they're special sure and if they're just charming like a narcissist but aren't a real narcissist sooner or later they will have evidence they will have made progress in life but more often than not chances of them having read my book versus chances of them being an actual full blown narcissist dude they're likely to just be a narcissist so as a rule of thumb it's just safer if someone seems special seems like they're destined for greatness but they're just living in their car and they're not hustling or anything like right away you can tell okay that person is just narcissistic grand delusions of success with nothing to back it up yeah and i so i guess what you're saying the difference uh is in the goal and why they are behaving that way so if someone who has actually big goal and believes he's going to be special and also works for that and tells himself i'm going to do this i'm going to reach that then his actual goal is not the praise of others it's to reach his goal that he set out to do so he's also going to back it up with work whereas the narcissist who's just 
going for the um, appraise of others. As soon as he got that appraise, he doesn't have to work anymore because he got what he actually wanted and all the goals and the things that he was talking about that he's going to do. He doesn't yeah, even he care will about keep talking about it. He will keep talking about it. That's it. To get more and more. So the praise is never mm. enough. So they will keep talking about it. First, they'll say, I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm going to feed a hundred thousand people. And they'll get a praise and all, but he will do nothing. He'll not feed even one person. Okay. He will not even <laughs> make $10,000. But now that he's getting praised, then he'll be like, I'll be a billionaire and I'll feed a million people. Suddenly more praise. So the promises keep changing. No real world evidence, but just to get more praise, they keep blowing it up and up and up. So mm. that's how a narcissist is. But if you are someone who thinks you're like, who has now believed that you're special and you're going to do something, regardless of what people say, you're actually going to do it. Because mm -hmm. whether you charm others or not, you will charm yourself into going forward with your mission. And that's why with the book, we go like, start with your why. That makes a lot of sense. And I love it. That's, that's very good. I think that's a beautiful place to kind of wrap it up, right? So we have a strong why. We have in mind why we want to do it. And then um, we start to develop those traits. And that's what ultimately will also prevent us from falling into the trap of the um, self-destructing, destructive behaviors that a real narcissist uh, can develop. And we just develop the positive traits and uh, achieve our goals. Does that sound about right? <laughs> And and for 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 your for your um, for your audience, I would like to give free copies, free digital copies of a Charm Like a Narcissist, to anyone who goes to my site iamibrahim.com, which is my blog where I post positive messages, and subscribes to my positive uh, messages newsletter. So literally, go to iamibrahim.com and hit subscribe from the menu and fill up the details, subscribe to my blog, and you will get a free digital copy, free ebook of Charm Like a Narcissist. Awesome. I'm sure there is a lot more um, good tips and strategy that you can use to actually develop those two crucial techniques or two, two crucial attributes in self-confidence and charisma, yeah. right? Yeah. Seeming so special people. and making people feel special. You do it anyways. You find it anyway, whether it is by being a CEO or by being born in a millionaire household, whatever way, if you seem special and then you can make someone feel special, you will be charismatic. It's just that with the book, I give my method of seeming special and gaining power and then how you can make people feel special efficiently. Awesome. Thank you so much. Then I have one question that I ask everyone. Yeah. Uh, you're a writer, so I'm sure you also read a lot of books. Um, okay. What is your favorite book that you've uh, read or one that you give a lot of as present besides your own? <laughs> 48 Laws of Power. 48 Laws of Power. I love it because it's a very practical self-help book. It's not like, oh, my God, you think that you will be a millionaire and you will be a millionaire. Because everyone can think that, but everyone cannot be a millionaire. Because if everyone's a millionaire, no one's a millionaire. So I don't really like all these self-help books that are all about just thinking. 48 Laws of Power is just a very practical book. And even with my book, like literally comes with a workbook at the back, is because I prefer practical stuff. 
So 48 Laws of Power is one of the best books. The first self-help book I ever read was Be Obsessed or Be Average. That is someone, if someone is getting into self-help, that's the first book I would recommend them. And But my favorite book is 48 Laws of Power. That's cool. I got to add that to my list and <laughs> haven't read it yet. Um, and if people want to reach out to you, network with you, talk to you, where can they find you? Okay, so here's the funny thing. I literally don't have social media. So my company manages different social media. They have social media. My staff do that. My, I don't have social media. I literally have my inspirational newsletter where I send out positive messages every single day. So literally, if anyone wants to connect with me, they just can go to imibrahim.com and just okay. read up my positive messages or they can subscribe and get the same messages in their email. But that's literally my only connection to the world. All of my rest of my socializing is like meeting people like you online or just offline making my friends and uh, working with my community. That's it. That's amazing. Someone who doesn't have like, I, because I, I guess I would like a life without social media. Did you never have it? Or, um, no, 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 I had it. I had it, dude. I had like 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like I was content and everything. But then I just like, you know, I, I shifted my income sources out of social media just so I can afford to be away from social media because of how much control it had over my life. And fortunately, yes, I'm now away from social media. Yes, I'm connected to the world through email. I'm connected to people like through platforms like on which we connected, mm -hmm. but I'm not hooked on the major social media networks. Um, and, and it's very freeing. It allows me to connect with people offline, you know, have co coffee every single day with a different person. And like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different life, but yes, it takes some adjusting to, and definitely I had to make some adjustments to my business before I could do this because not everyone can afford to just completely mm -hmm. move away from social media. But was there like, um, an experience or an event that you were like, nah, fuck it. I've got to delete all that stuff. I don't want to be on here anymore. Or what was it that caused you to uh, delete oh, man, all the my, social media? So, so that person I had uh, outsourced my accounts to came mm -hmm. to me uh, with the good news, quote unquote, good news that I had made $200 off of social media in the whole year of 2019. And I got so mad. I was like, dude, that's what I make in like two to three hours of freelancing back then I was doing. And I was like, that's what all my social media revenue is just 200 bucks. And you're telling me as if this is a good thing. Like, look at how much I've I spent eight hours on social media this week. And I got like so mad at how much social media was taking from me and how little it was giving me. I was like, this is an unfair exchange. So I have to get out of this. I got so mad. But yeah, <laughs> after that, I just, I just uh, moved away from social media because it was making me money. There was no point in it, really. And yeah. I made this post. I was like, uh, this is my number to anyone who wants to connect with me. And guess what, man? Just like seven. I had, I had reduced first my social media to 100 people I had connected with in the real world 
from my university and stuff. And even from them, just like seven to eight people I talk to regularly. Aside from that, everyone else is busy with their life. So they don't even know that I'm missing from social media. That's what <laughs> social media is. It's very good at convincing you uh, that you are in, important in everyone's lives on, on your network. But if you if you literally deactivate today, guess what? People won't notice. Only after you come back, they'd be like, oh, you were gone, right? So yeah, man, it's, it just convinces you that it's just essential in your life but it isn't that essential if you have like one or two messaging apps to connect with the key people you talk to regularly or share memes with regularly that's it man the rest of social media is optional <laughs> i love it i love it because I, I i definitely feel the same way i'm investing so much time in in social media producing all the content and sometimes ask myself i don't really get much out of it it's just a huge waste of time so Uh, but then everyone it's kind of like you have to have it right um every marketing guru is like ah social media content 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 like so i actually love to see that there is someone who who doesn't have it at all and makes it work and is very successful at it so that's awesome really like it thank you for sharing that part i was unexpected I will I will send you the name of a guy who's even more successful than me and he has never had a social media. Al Newport, look into him, okay? So look into his content on YouTube. So his content on YouTube isn't hosted by him though. So it's like someone else has posted stuff about him uh, from Google Talks to other TED Talks pages, but he himself doesn't even have a YouTube So look up Cal Newport and you will find his work very fascinating. I'll right, definitely man. do that. So thank you so much for being on. It was a lot of fun and very informative talk. I really like this episode. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have 10,000 downloads and then 100,000 downloads. But before that, even if you have one download, one person listening to you is a lot more than people listen to other people. One person listening to you for one hour is great because with podcasting, with this medium, we measure depth. We don't measure huge numbers because Joe Rogan also started with 10 people listening to him. So the depth, how long people listen matters. And as long as you produce the content that matters and enjoy your time, that's what should matter. The rest will come to you. All right, man. Thank you. That was a beautiful way to close it. I'm so happy. Thanks so much. <laughs> It's beautiful. Have a great day. Hope to talk you to you well. soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Have your coffee, man. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, it would really mean a lot to me if you were to subscribe to this podcast. And also, please write me a written review. I just love to see how this has positively influenced you and what you enjoyed about it. And also, I'm really happy about all the constructive criticism that I could get so I can further improve the show and make it even better. Thank you so much and now have a great day. Talk to you next time. Peace out.